These readings in three parts. The first part from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The second reading is from Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. The Apostles Heal Many. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. The third reading is from Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 30. The Church in Antioch. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message only to the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood, stood, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. morning. I hope you're all well. We're just fresh back from a holiday. I could tell you that this time last week we were sitting by the poolside sipping cocktails in 30 degree sunshine, but I won't. The fact is that just over a year ago, I was appointed vicar of Christchurch Baston Hill. Time flies, doesn't it, when you're enjoying yourself? Well, at least I am. 
I was given the job on what I have to say was a strict understanding that I would do all that I can to take our church forward in mission. The bishop and others, including Steve and Jennifer, wanted me to help develop the vision for mission that I presented at interview. And it was that vision that I gave on my first time I preached on that first Sunday. And that's now formed the basis of our vision framework as a church. And I believe that we are being called to build mission-shaped church together in this place. To shape our church in accordance to how the Holy Spirit is guiding us and inspiring us so that we are geared for mission. But what in heaven's name does this phrase, mission-shaped church, mean? Well, put simply, it's everything and everyone that makes up Christ Church Baston Hill, geared, as I say, to play a part in God's mission of love to the world. Mission-shaped church is a topic that's very close to my heart. I have a lot of interest in it and I'm very passionate about it. So if you'd like to chat over a coffee at some point after the service, one week, then I'll be more than happy to oblige. You see, mission isn't just part of what we are or what we do as a church community. Everything we do should be enabling mission. Mission-shaped church is in a lot of ways a radical departure from the traditional or inherited model of church. Things that have been passed down to us over the centuries. Ways of being church which on their own by and large, no longer connect with the world today, with people today. Traditional or inherited church unhelpfully sidelined mission to be one particular aspect of what we are about. Mission weeks, mission services, mission events, mission programs. But it was never intended to be like that. And today, as the theme is Mission Shaped Church, I'm going to be showing a number of TV adverts to illustrate some points along the way. And hopefully it'll help us to find God in the culture of today, a feature of Mission Shaped Church. But firstly, I want to make it very clear that we must understand that God's mission is unchanging. His mission is unchanging. Now, the car manufacturer, Volkswagen, has an unchanging mission to build quality cars that people want to buy. It stands to reason, doesn't it? It's quite straightforward. But the cars don't stay the same. They evolve, they develop, they improve. In short, they change. <gasps> Take the Volkswagen Golf. Since the 1970s, that's when it was first introduced. I know, time flies, doesn't it? This has gone through six configurations, six different models, if you like. Always the Golf, but each one is shaped and styled very differently. And now Volkswagen are very uh, clear about this, and they want to show that the Golf today embodies 
traditional or familiar elements, but with a radical new twist for today. So we're going to watch uh, an advert from the last few years, and you'll be familiar with a lot of it, but it does give a radical new twist to something that you may recognize. You see? It's the original updated. And that's the point, isn't it? God's mission is unchanging. The church, still the church, but we're updating. We're remodeling. Now, yesterday, I had the privilege of going to see the cricket in, uh, at Old Trafford. Marvellous. Are you interested in the cricket now? Oh, well. Well, it was marvellous anyway. England won, and it was a great victory. It was brilliant. But while I was there, uh, we chatted, uh, Steve and I, about how cricket's changed over the years. How it's been reshaped. Still cricket, but it's being made appropriate, more appropriate for people today. People who perhaps don't have five days to go and watch a test match can watch 2020, which is over in just a matter of a couple or three hours. Or if you've got a day to spare and not five days, then you can watch a one-day international. And over the last few decades, cricket has changed a considerable amount. It's the original, but it's updated. It's the same with church. The mission we are part of is unchanging, as I say. We play our part in God's mission of love to the world. But the church doesn't stay the same. It evolves. It develops. It improves. It changes as the Holy Spirit shapes us. But it's becoming clearer and clearer that much of inherited church is not shaped for mission today. It's set very much up on the idea that we look after those who are already in church, those who are already in the know. And so a great deal needs to change in the way that we go about being church. And it won't happen overnight, it'll happen gradually over time. But, and I want to reassure you at this point, we'll see as we go through um, this topic, that much of, we, the, of what we are as a church already will remain the same. We're not just going to change everything, get away, do away with everything from the past and start over. We'll take with us some of the good things that we've been given um, by those who've gone before us. And that's why we're doing our evaluation process. Just like Volkswagen with the Golf, there are familiar things, always the same features that appear in the Golf. But church needs to be shaped and reshaped in order for us to reach out with God's love. If we're honest, we're not doing it as effectively as we could. God has chosen us, each and every one of us, to be his mouth, his hands, his feet in this world. And it doesn't in just involve one or two of us. Every one of us has a part to play. And so Mission Shaped Church is a challenging and exciting adventure. And I believe that as a church community we're embarking on a new chapter. So then, what are the main features of Mission Shaped Church that we need to build into the life, work and ministry of Christ Church, Baston Hill? And what clues can we find from those three snippets from the book of Acts that Abigail read for us a few minutes ago? Now, you might find it helpful to have a Bible in front of you. Don't worry if you don't find it helpful. I'll refer to them anyway. The three passages, Acts 2, Acts 5 and Acts 11. 
Now you'll have to uh, bear with me because it's a very, very important and weighty topic this morning. I'm not going to keep you longer uh, this morning, but I am going to talk for slightly longer. And as I say, we're going to um, illustrate some points with some uh, movie clips. Now I've just hinted at the first feature we need in our church life. And that's mission-shaped ministry. Everybody playing their part. Everybody involved. It's clear from the earliest days of the church, ministry, and ministry is serving God, doing what you can, what God's given you to do. And this involved everybody. Look at Acts 11:19, And we hear that some Christians who'd been dispersed because of persecution were telling the Christian message. But others were telling the good news of Jesus to other people in different places. Now, this is a mass of people, a number of people. They're not recorded by name, but there's a number of people. So clearly, mission-shaped church wasn't just, or isn't just for a few, it's for everybody. Now, mission-shaped church isn't church that's done for you or to you. It's church that you help make. Church that you help make. Just as with the early church, if you see things that need to change to enable others to know God's generous love for themselves, then you can help make that change possible. If you come to me with an idea, I will literally say, thank you so much. God is clearly putting it on your heart to help make that possible. Please don't come and just expect me to make it a reality for you. Because that's not mission-shaped church. Church should not be like a concert audience. It's designed to be more like an orchestra, making beautiful music together, which is inspired by God. Imagine that we are all here, Christchurch Basin Hill, an orchestra making beautiful music, music that God has given us to play together. But where will the orchestra be if lots of crucial members simply turn up, don't play, or just listen to the music that other people are making? Where will that leave us? The music won't be anywhere near as effective or as beautiful. It'll be heartbreaking. There'll be parts missing. Rhythms will be lost. Melodies will go unplayed. Unless everybody joins in. Unless we all pull together and each play our part, then we won't reach out with God's love anywhere near as much as we can. Church that encourages everyone to play their part will help us to reshape ministry today too. Doing so will enable us to undo that unhelpful traditional model of church that holds so much of collaboration and teamwork back. Much of uh, inherited church promotes the idea that you are all here to help me as the vicar to do my ministry, my work. But that's nonsense. Because the mission-shaped church model promotes the idea that I'm here to help you to do your ministry and the work that God's giving you to do 
My role is to help us sense where God is leading us, to inspire vision, give direction, fuel and release ministry, help people take responsibility, work for teamwork and oversee all that goes on. Now, if I held on to responsibility and didn't give it away, well, I'd be neglecting to use, well, the amazing array of gifts and talent that we have in our church. And believe me, it is amazing. The key to being a mission-shaped church will be empowering leaders who in turn help other people to use their gifts, their time, their talents, their skills to help other people know the love of God. Take, for example, pastoral care. Now, a huge amount of fantastic care is given by members of Christ Church Basin Hill on a daily and weekly basis and by our wonderful pastoral care team. So many people are looked after and cared for. It's one of the reasons that Christ Church is just so loving and so caring. But if you visit someone or pray with someone, please don't think you're helping me out because I don't have the time. That sort of thinking slips back into the helping the vicar with his ministry sort of model. Do you see that? But if we see caring for each other as the way that we are to be as a church or one particular part of being a church, something we can all do, then imagine how many people we can look after, how many people we can care for, how many people we can impact. It's a lot more than just me. Of course, there are priestly or vicary type things that need to go on by myself or the other clergy but it's less than you might suppose God wants us to be a church community where all are valued and all value where all care and are cared for where all welcome and are welcomed now I've worked in a number of churches that uh, use a very traditional approach to church where everything goes through the vicar if you like uh, with the vicar at the top of some kind of pyramid and, and everybody else below trying to help them do, do their work and I, I, honest, I can honestly say this I don't think there's anything more frustrating that I've encountered in my life everything seems to be controlled centrally vicars have a finger in every single pie and the only reason other people get involved, generally speaking, is because the vicar can't do it all alone. But I would argue that this model of church is limiting and disempowering. This kind of church isn't the one we see in the book of Acts that we've heard about this morning. We see a church there where people use what God has given them to serve him and help make his love a reality for other people. Take Acts 11, 26. It tells us how Barnabas and Saul taught great numbers of people about God in Antioch. They used what God had given them to do to get on and do it. I believe God wants us to be a church where we all, every single one of us, helps make this church the church that God wants us to be moving away from centrally controlled ministries. A few other examples. Small groups. 
It's clear in Acts how the church gathered together in large groups, but also met in small groups. And I think increasingly, small groups in the life of Christchurch will become more and more important. It'll be a place where we grow, where we care for one another, where we take on leadership and grow in that, where we embrace newcomers. Or how about evangelism? This has traditionally been seen as a specialist area of ministry. But imagine in mission-shaped church, where we all take responsibility for reaching out with God's love through our work life, our family life, our hobbies and our friendships. Or how about the area of welcome? I think in the next years, welcome will be less a job for a few and something that we do more naturally, all of us. I hope so. Do you get the idea? I hope you are all playing our part. If we leave it to the few, then we will greatly limit the impact we'll have as a church. Right, well, the second feature, moving on, of mission-shaped church found in the early church that we need to build into the life of this church is balancing traditional ways of being church on the one hand with new ways of being church on the other. Like new models of cars, we need our new models of church Still church, but revamped for today. Like messy church that Emma is leading. But we also need traditional ways of being church alongside these conventional or vintage models of church, if you like. Now, some years ago, the Archbishop argued uh, for what he called a mixed economy in churches. Vintage models of church alongside new models of church. And in the book of Acts, we see this mixed economy, these two types of churches. It's fascinating. Now, the Jerusalem church, on the one hand, was like today's traditional model. It had a you-come-to-us approach to church. The church of Jerusalem emerged among Jews who gathered in the city from across the known world to celebrate Pentecost And growth was based on people coming from around and about to Jerusalem. It attracted people, gathered people in. Look at Acts 5.16. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem. It's very clear. And mission was done by sending people out, taking the gospel to unreached people. It was more traditional. The Antioch church, on the other hand, was more like what we call today fresh expressions of church, like messy church. And you can see in Acts 11, 22 and 23, where it says, When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, the church spotted what God was already up to in that place. And then they launched a wheel come to you mission or model of being church we heard instead of waiting for potential Christians to come to Antioch it sent out Paul and Barnabas to plant churches across Asia Minor Antioch reached Gentiles that the Jerusalem church was struggling to connect with Antioch also developed new patterns of leadership new ways of worshipping they would gather around a meal in the home And they chat about Jesus. Well, that's radical stuff, isn't it? How could we ever do that? (laughs) 
Paul was keen to interpret the gospel afresh in the culture of today. But the church of Jerusalem and the church of Antioch, although very different types of being church, they respected one another and they complemented one another. They went against each other. They didn't vie for dominance. They were uh, in agreement that both were needed. Here there is an encouragement for us to facilitate this kind of mixed economy in our church. To have the vintage models and the new models of church. To do the you come to us type of church. But also the we'll come to you type church. Now this won't, I don't know, but it might might simply mean planting churches in other places in the parish. It might do. But it will certainly involve meeting people on their terms, where they're at, in the issues that they're facing today, whether that be stress at work or parenting or marriage, and building church with them there amongst those issues. And so if that was the second crucial feature of mission-shaped church life, then the third and final one is this, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now I'm sure I'm not alone in wanting to be more than a holy huddle in church. More than a church that is geared to meet our own needs, to look after our own interests, to make sure that things are just the way we like them and to get value for money, just like customers going into a store. And if we do want more than this, then it's certain that we need God's help with that. We need his Holy Spirit. Not just to fill us up, but to fill us up so that other people can know God's love through us. And we're going to watch another advert now. And this was made several years ago, probably about five or six years ago, on a housing estate in Glasgow that was about to be demolished. And it's a Sony Bravia advert for colour TVs, LCD TVs. Just watch this. And as you do, think about the role that we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to paint the world a colour like no other. Actual paint explosions, that is. It's no graphics. They did it once. You imagine if they got it wrong. The cleanup operation <laughs> would have taken about a week, I think, and then they would have started over and somebody would have got it in the neck. But it's amazing. You just think about that. We pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just for that to make a difference to our own lives, but for that to make a difference to other people. So that the harshness of their reality might be impacted by the grace of God. Just like those colour explosions. We want the Holy Spirit to make a difference to the lives of other people. Those lives that we interact with or engage with. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Just like the first Christians were. To paint the world a colour like no other. It's clear that when God fills us with his Spirit, certain things happen. And we can pray for those to happen in the life of Christchurch. Because empowered by the Spirit, we'll be able to connect with different people, 
just like the early Christians did after being filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll be able to nurture more congregations, celebrate difference and diversity, come up with new ways of worshipping together. Empowered by the Spirit, we'll be able to hold back from telling the story of Jesus. Just look at Peter back in Acts chapter 2. He's filled with the Spirit. What does he do? He tells everybody about Jesus. Thousands of people. We can do the same. In smaller ways, maybe. Tell people the difference that Jesus has made to your life. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we'll want to pray in the marketplace as well as in the worship space. Read in Acts chapter 5, verse 15, the people brought those who were sick into the streets, not into the temple, into the streets, so that the disciples, the apostles, could pray with them. And we'll be able to pray with people beyond the walls of this church, next to the work colleague, uh, next to the photocopier at work, or over coffee, at the school gate, with a mum who's worried, with somebody over the phone, empowered by the Holy Spirit, will want to meet the needs of other people. In Acts chapter 4.32, you can read, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. It seems when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you hold on to things less tightly. In Acts chapter 2.45, we read that the church gave to anyone who had need. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we'll be inspired to go where God is leading and to do what he's calling us to do, just like the church in Antioch. Listening to God's voice and making time to receive from him will be absolutely crucial for us as a church community. And that's why we need to continue to meet together on a weekly basis on Tuesday mornings or to pray at that time if it can be uh, a possibility. And to meet together on Sunday evenings at one, once a month, for one hour, just to pray. I'm praying that more of us as a church will feel the need to be there to support that meeting. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we'll continue to offer hospitality in our large gatherings, but also in small groups. Empowered by the Spirit, we'll be free to use the gifts that God gives us. The early church felt able to offer all sorts of gifts and ministries. You just read the book of Acts. I encourage you to do that this week and make a note of all the things they got up to. And we can do those. God might do those or different things with us. But we have to be open to that. And Steve is going to talk, Steve Ellis next week, is going to talk about uh, using our gifts uh, as part of the body of the church. Empowered by the Spirit, we'll build an attractive community that others want to be part of. Acts 2.47, and the Lord added to their number. Because they were an attractive community. People saw God in them and through them. Now, the final advert we're going to look at is one from about three or four years ago. And it's the Hovis advert, celebrating making Hovis bread for quite a while going through a lot of change still Hovis bread but in a different era let's watch that
very clever advert. But how do we ensure that the church is as good today as it's always been? That it continues to offer the amazing love of God? Or to take the cue from that advert, to take the bread of life to today's people in ways that are appropriate to today's people? Well, I believe it's by being a mission-shaped church. Not a church shaped by culture of a different era, but one that's connecting with a church, a culture in today, where we involve all in church life, where we balance traditional and new ways of being church, where we am, are empowered by God's Holy Spirit. Now, on holiday, I read Bill Bryson's latest book, A Short History of Private Life. It's marvellous. It's very restrained. I didn't laugh out loud quite so much as I normally do when I read his books. But it, it was really good. And I learned a great deal. But Bryson tells the interesting story of a London church in the mid-1800s whose crypt was so overcrowded because of its greedy desire to obtain funeral fees and burial fees. Apparently, the stench on a Sunday morning was so awful that regularly at least three people would faint during a service. It's awful. Imagine that. But it got me thinking. There can be the fragrance of life and health and vitality in a church life, can't there? But unfortunately, there can also be the smell of decay and decline. Christ Church Basin Hill has so much of the fragrance of life and health and vitality. But we need to be honest where there are any areas where there's the fragrance or the smell of decay or decline. It's not easy to face up to it. But if we get that smell in our nostrils, we need to do something about it. Sadly, some of these areas that bring decay and decline arise from the unhelpful aspects of church that have been handed down to us that are no longer appropriate for today. And I accept my share in the responsibility for that. But I think addressing them will help ensure that we really are a mission-shaped church. So I want to leave you this morning with a number of questions. And I would really be very grateful if you would respond to these and think about them and pray about them. What will you do to help make Christchurch based in Hill the church God wants us to be? A church that fulfills its huge potential to reach out in Baston Hill and beyond. How will you be involved in building a mission-shaped church? What are you going to do in the orchestra? What part are you going to play? What part does God want you to play? And how will we commit to pray that we will be constantly and continually empowered by God's Holy Spirit? to paint the world a colour like no other. As we respond, I encourage you to listen to God, be open to receive from God, to be open to his challenge, his encouragement in the way that he wants to use you and to see where that will take you and where that will take us as a church. We're going to sing... Uh, a very appropriate song, it's Speak, O Lord, which invites God to be talking to us, giving
giving to us so that we might receive from him. Amen.